Well, it is, uh, as I said, and as you've heard, it is uh, Hanukkah. I hope that you've been lighting your menorah. How many of you have been lighting a Hanukkah menorah at home? Right? Very good. That is really uh, the most important part of Hanukkah. Uh, as Jim said, playing with fire, it's, we all like that kind of thing. Right? And uh, so I do uh, hope that we've been lighting a Hanukkah menorah. And uh, right off the bat, uh, you know, online... Uh, there are all kind, you can get answers to everything about Hanukkah now online, right? My cousin is a rabbi of a synagogue in Poughkeepsie, New York. And uh, so I saw uh, she has a YouTube channel and, uh, you know, eight things about Hanukkah. So it was really good. And, and boom, 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 all the different uh, things one can learn about uh, Hanukkah. And if you have uh, read anything about Hanukkah or you've been coming to Beth Messiah, you might know. But some of you, for some of you, uh, you might not know anything about it. Uh, So first of all, uh, without going into all the details, Hanukkah is a holiday that uh, celebrates the Jewish people uh, winning a battle against oppressors at about 165 B.C., uh, 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 oppressors who tried to uh, stop Jewish people from worshiping God. And, uh, it, and it centered around the temple. The temple was desecrated, but it was recaptured. And the dedication of the temple in Jerusalem is what we're celebrating uh, at Hanukkah. So we like to refer to it as a, as a holiday about religious freedom, that the Jewish people were told, you cannot worship God your way anymore. And so uh, this was not about just, it wasn't about rights, and it wasn't about justice, or, you know, that kind of, it was about uh, being able to worship God freely. It's really what, it, what it's about. So that's why sometimes it's called a holiday of our, of our freedom, uh, or the Festival of Lights, because of lighting a Hanukkah menorah. We light a Hanukkah menorah uh, because light symbolizes the presence of God, and we can thank uh, uh, Chris and Paul uh, Chris Cotting and Paul Weisberger, maybe others, for uh, uh, redoing our uh, Ner Tamid there. So you can see this light, and you can see the, the light all the way through the, the, uh, the whole structure there. So that is a very special, and thank you, and what a great time to do that at, at Hanukkah, where light is a symbol of the presence of God. And that's why we read Zechariah chapter 3 at Hanukkah, right? About, uh, or 4. That was chapter four uh, of uh, about the candelabra, the lampstand, and all that, which really symbolized just the presence of a of a tremendous amount of light, and it points to the light of Messiah, the light of the light of Messiah. And we celebrated for eight days uh, uh, because the Jewish people, when they rededicated the temple, uh, for two different reasons. One is because they wanted to celebrate Sukkot the Feast of Tabernacles, which is eight days uh, altogether, uh, and also because of emulating the previous dedication of the first temple, Solomon's Temple, uh, which also was eight days uh, long. And so we light a Hanukkah menorah. Now here's a burning question. that pe- <laughs> Do you get that burning question? That, that people ask sometimes. Uh, okay, when you see a Jewish-looking candelabra, is that a Hanukkah menorah? And so this is why some people will frame that in a question of uh, why do some Hanukkah menorahs only have seven candles? So the answer is, you ready? Here's the answer for all time. There are all kinds of menorahs, right? 
Uh, on Shabbat, you can, one, you can use two, two candlesticks. You can have something that has three candles on it, four, six, seven. It can be shaped and all different. It can look like a tree. It can, you know, can look all, like a big smiley face. You know. It can be all kinds of uh, uh, um, uh, different uh, ways of, of uh, how many candles and the kind of candles. But a Hanukkah menorah always has nine candles. Always. And one, is, and one is differentiated from the others. We're going to learn all about that this evening. But uh, that is the difference, okay? Uh, and so that's what a Hanukkah menorah is about. And, of course, we like to eat potato pancakes. Why? Because anything that is high, high in fat and cholesterol uh, is good for us on Jewish holidays, okay? Just so you know, all right? Just so you know. Uh, and uh, but it's but because it's made with oil and and there's a tradition that the that the oil for the near tamid in the temple uh, a little bit of oil lasted for eight days see and that's why the holiday is eight days long that's why we light them in over and that's a tradition also that's found uh, in the Talmud okay all right very good then there's also a Hanukkah verse in the Bible. Not the verse, not verses about the holiday of Hanukkah. Hanukkah, technically, the, the, the holiday itself is not described in the Bible. Uh, but in, uh, in Zechariah chapter 4, uh, in that passage that uh, Bruce read, in Zechariah chapter 4, you have uh, this great verse in verse 12. Or not not uh, verse 12, where is it? Um, verse 6, which is one half of 12. It says, Then he answered and said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. See? And that is like the Hanukkah verse. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Meaning that God will indeed bring it to pass. It's a great verse as we think about what God would have us be and do here. It's a great verse when you think about Yeshua spoke to 12 disciples uh, who ended up turning the world upside down, uh, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. Uh, he says to them, begin in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, uh, you know, and uh, then go to the outermost uh, part of the earth. And here we are 2,000 years later. Uh, uh, where the world has been affected tremendously, of course, uh, by that. It wasn't their ingenuity. It wasn't their bravery. It was their showing up uh, and the uh, power of God. See? Uh, and certainly that is something that God desires, uh, uh, you know, to do uh, in, uh, you know, in our lives. Yeshua celebrated Hanukkah. You may be familiar with that in John chapter 10 and verse 22. It was the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Yeshua was at the temple. That's Hanukkah. Isn't that interesting? I, I, uh, oftentimes people don't realize that, that Yeshua celebrated the holiday or observed the holiday. What's very fascinating is that this is proof positive that Hanukkah was already an institutionalized holiday by this time. So that's kind of interesting also. It wasn't invented, you know, years later uh, uh, after the, the Talmud and, and all of that, but that it, it uh, immediately, really, within 100 and probably within 150 years, 
uh, and it was probably here 165, 75, about 185 years maybe, perhaps, or uh, close to 190 years that, uh, the, that uh, you know, John is writing this and, and so on, and Yeshua is experiencing it. But uh, uh, it's, it's fascinating uh, to see that that holiday was observed and celebrated uh, at that time. And there's more we could say about that, but we'll save that for, uh, for another time. But what does Hanukkah mean? What does it mean to us? You know, besides the holiday itself, you know, uh, it, it is not simply a, a gift-giving holiday. In fact, uh, you know, it does not compare to Christmas, and it's not supposed to compare uh, uh, to, uh, to Christmas. And the, the, it's a minor holiday in Judaism. It's not like the, the high holy day of, of, of Judaism, where, you know, you might say in the, in the Christian world, you have Christmas and Easter, you know, the two major events, right? In Judaism, Hanukkah is a minor holiday. It really is. Uh, and it is amazing uh, how, uh, the, but though how accessible it is, which is really a good thing. A lot of people that don't really celebrate lots of Jewish holidays celebrate Hanukkah because you can get a Hanukkah menorah and you can get candles and you can, you can light them, you know? And so it's accessible. It's uh, something uh, easy, easy to be able to participate in, and that, is, uh, and that is great. But again, we could ask ourselves a question, uh, what, does, uh, what does it mean to us? Well, one thing that Hanukkah means to us is our uh, uh, unity uh, uh, with all of the Jewish people, that there is a sense of national unity, whether whether there's a state of Israel, whether people live in the state of Israel, or wherever it is, there's a, there is a sense of we are a people, uh, and there is a, a sense of national calling uh, uh, to us. And, uh, and that's very important. Now, in the days uh, since uh, the establishment of the state of Israel, certainly uh, Hanukkah is a very important holiday when it comes to our uh, understanding of Zionism and believing in a Jewish state and believing in a Jewish homeland uh, uh, and the price paid for that. You know, even to this day, uh, we would say the same thing about the time of the Maccabees. It is God's hand that established the modern state of Israel. It is by God's hand that it's even sustained. And uh, quite miraculously. Uh, uh, but... Still, at the very same time, uh, people have to fight and people lose their lives uh, and are injured and, uh, and, a, and a price is paid for uh, the security uh, and for the ability for there to be a Jewish state. And so it's important that we be supportive of all of that, right? Uh, in our prayers and our thoughts and uh, perhaps even in some giving into varieties of, of causes related to the, uh, to the state of Israel. Uh, and, and that it's even in our minds and that we even uh, like talk about it to others because we live in a world uh, where the narrative has become, uh, among of all things, among Christians, among believers in Yeshua, that maybe this is a negotiable item. 
that uh, there doesn't really need to be a state of Israel. There really doesn't need to be a Jewish people. There really doesn't need to be uh, all of that. Uh, and people have uh, varieties of theologies that, uh, you know, are, that serve as uh, proof texts and so on of all of that. But we need to stand firm. We of all people uh, need to stand firm and uh, recognize uh, that uh, God does talk about the Jewish people returning to the land uh, and living in that land. And that when Yeshua returns, that's where he's going to return to that land. Uh, and, uh, and it's very much tied into the destiny of this world. So we need to, uh, of all people, if uh, anybody is part of Beth Messiah congregation in any way, in any level, we need to be supportive of the state of Israel, uh, supportive of the Jewish people. Okay? All right. Uh, another uh, important uh, understanding uh, of uh, the holiday is our call to be a light to the nations, that God has called the Jewish people. Not, it's not simply, uh, uh, here's a land that I'm giving it to you for no apparent reason, uh, or here is a way of worshiping me just because it's fun, okay? But there's a calling on Israel, a calling to be a light to the nations, see? Uh, and, uh, and, and of course, Yeshua, uh, the greatest Jew there ever was, who is, of course, the very incarnation of God, came uh, to be a light to the nations and that he might redeem Israel to be a light, that Israel would be able to fulfill her calling to be a light, uh, uh, indeed, to the, to the nations. And when we light the Hanukkah menorah, it reminds us of the presence of God and uh, of being a light to the nations, of this calling uh, that we have. Hanukkah also is important for us, and there's lots of reasons, but I'm only going to name one more, and that is uh, to remind us about what it means to be dedicated, just the, the concept of being dedicated to God. Uh, and, uh, and, and it's a very important uh, uh, understanding that when we talk about being dedicated to God, oftentimes we talk about it in very nebulous kind of ways. You know, like I'm dedicated to God in my spirit, you know? I'm dedicated to God inside of me. I'm dedicated. To, but really, you know, uh, when one talks about being a, a, actually a fully orbed human being, which I hope that most of us have a, attained to that goal, just of being f fully human, it means that we are called to interact. We're called to do physical things. That's a whole story unto itself. But when we say that we're dedicated to God, it doesn't just mean that I have a good feeling inside of me about God and I appreciate the salvation that I have. It means that I act it out. That's why, for example, in the Brich HaRashah, in the New Covenant, when Paul talks about being a living sacrifice, he uses a very physical illustration about sacrifice. Present the members of your body right, as, as uh, for righteousness' sake. So basically what he's saying is use your body to serve God, see? And it is very interesting that the primary metaphor for all the believers in the world together is body, like the body of Messiah. And it's interesting how body parts are used to describe all of us, right? Arms, feet, head, toes, legs, 
all, all that, because we are physical beings. Uh, and if we are going to be dedicated to God, it means that we literally, literally serve Him with our bodies, which means maybe where we go and what we do uh, and, uh, and how we spend our time and, and our energy, right? Uh, all of this is tied into being dedicated to God. I realize that not everybody has physical abilities to be able to do physical things. And yes, so of course, prayer is a very important part of being dedicated to God. But, you know, real prayer takes time. You know, real prayer is not just saying, I'll pray or thank you for the lamb chops or something. You know what I mean? That uh, a real prayer takes time uh, and thinking and not falling asleep in the middle of it, right? Uh, and so that's very important. But also, uh, the way we conduct our very lives, all, uh, you know, every minute of, of, uh, of every day. And this is, of course, where the concept of spiritual disciplines comes in and, and, uh, and, and all of that. Now, you know that uh, the word Hanukkah means dedication, right? Hanak, Hanak, right? And uh, one of the great places to always illustrate that, and we do this all the time, is from the book of Proverbs, in that famous verse where we read, train up a child the way he should go, and when he uh, grows up, he will not depart from it. The word train up is that word. Hanak. So what it means really is dedicate. When we dedicate, and to dedicate means technically dedicate from the beginning, like inaugurate, you know, be dedicated from the beginning. So when we uh, dedicate our children to God, we're not just coming and having me say a prayer over them, right? And you know what, what we say when we talk about like dedications, we're dedicating parents, uh, you know, to raise their children in the fear and admonition of the Lord, or that when we're dedicating children, we are, what we're saying is, we're giving them over to the purpose of God, and we're raising them, cultivating a life, so that when they are adults, they will be full-blossom Messiah followers, you know, and productive in, in, their, and productive in their lives. Uh, and so that's what it means when we talk about being dedicated. When you, uh, you know, when you live in a small town and you have a, a statue of somebody famous from the town and you think, okay, we're going to dedicate the statue, uh, it means that the purpose of the statue is for us to remember this person. That's what it's for. We're saying what it's for when a building is dedicated. We're saying it's what purpose it's dedicated for. When we uh, embrace Yeshua, in a sense, that's our dedication. We are dedicated. What are we dedicated for? Uh, what, what is our calling? Uh, what is our purpose? Uh, you know, I, I will dedicate my life to the service of God. In a way, that is what we're saying, especially like when we get immersed. We're publicly saying, this is what my life is about. And so it's important for all of us that we don't view our lives compartmentally, that, well, part of me is dedicated, I'm dedicated to the congregation. No, 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 no. You're dedicated, hopefully, to God, and that uh, integrated into your life is you're dedicated to God in everything that you do, when you go to the supermarket, when you're driving your car, at your business, at your work, and when you're here, it's all integrated. It's like, it's all sewn together. Like one big quilt, see? Uh, and, and so that's, 
uh, very, very important. So that when we say we're dedicated to God, we should all be involved in the congregation. We should all be involved, right? Whether you're on an ONEG team or you're a greeter or you're, right? Uh, that means you're actually using your time. And so when we say I have no time, we have to ask ourselves, well, then what do I need to get rid of to make sure I have time? Because ultimately here is a real secret. People ultimately do what they want, right? Right. Okay. Uh, and so did your father tell you that? I just thought I'd ask. Okay. <laughs> but, but the fact of the matter is, is that for all of us, I, I, we need to ask ourselves, how am I dedicated to God? How do I use my time? In what way? And I, there is a great passage of scripture that reminds us of this. I, I, and it's in one of the most unlikely places that we would ever think about talking about Hanukkah. I, you know, it would be, and I wonder how many people in the whole world, on the entire globe, when talking about Hanukkah will say, Open up your Bibles to the book of Titus, right? Very few people, very few people, right? But that's what I'm saying. And uh, in Titus chapter 2, okay, what is he talking about here, right? He doesn't talk about Hanukkah there in Titus. No, he doesn't talk about Hanukkah, but the holiday of Hanukkah. But there's a very important word about dedication in, Han uh, uh, in Titus, right? So, you know, Titus was a... Uh, I uh, was a co-laborer with Paul, right? A very important person, like one of his, uh, like his number two man, you know? Uh, uh, Timothy was like his protege. Uh, Titus was like his uh, assistant, you might say, right? Uh, Titus would go to different uh, uh, places and report back to Paul, and Paul says periodically, well, Titus reported to me, you know, uh, uh, about what's going on with you. So this is a letter that he writes to Titus, okay? Uh, and this is what one of the things that he says. It's in chapter 2, all right, um, in verse 11 to save some time. Well, actually, no, verse 9. Urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters and everything, to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, that, may be, that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior uh, in every respect. This is one of those few places, by the way, in the New Covenant where you have a very clear statement about the deity of the Messiah. Very interesting, okay? The doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Now, so it's interesting. He says, urge people to have a good testimony. You know, have a good testimony at their job, right? Even if it's uncomfortable, right? In a way, don't be a pain, is what he's saying, okay? All right. But then he gives a reason, and this is what we want to focus on. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior. See, there it is, see? Our great God and Savior, just like he said up above there. Uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, Messiah Yeshua, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good deeds. 
These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. So he says, live, live in a way that people will admire you. Live in a way that people don't look at you and say, here's a headache coming. You know, live in a way, in such a way that, you know, uh, the people you work with, as it would be here, would say, oh, wow, uh, I don't know what there is about this guy, but what a good guy, or a good, what a, a nice woman, you know, what a, what a good worker, what a, you know, uh, and, and then he says, why? He says, because the grace of God has appeared, and he refers to Messiah as the grace of God, bringing salvation to all men. That means giving all people now an opportunity to enter into a, a, a relationship with God. Not only Israel, not only the Jewish people, not only the priests, not only the Pharisees, not only one group, not only a knowledgeable group, but, but now like the doors have been flung open and all people can know the God of Israel. Okay? It's not some kind of universalist statement. All right? But that now the accessibility is for all people. And that is the great, the grace of God has appeared. What a magnanimous statement. The grace of God has appeared, making salvation available to all people everywhere. It's by embracing uh, Messiah, uh, Yeshua. Boy, I could see a six-week series on these verses. Ah, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, and, and so, uh, has, uh, for the grace of God has appeared. That's also a very, uh, uh, a good, uh, great, it's a great word. In, in Greek, has appeared, you know, it's like an epiphany from, from on high that my eyes, our eyes are opened and, and here he is. It's a magnanimous statement that a verse, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Okay, so what a great thing. So no better reason, look what God has done, no better reason for us to live well and to be a testimony in this world. And then he says, he not only has appeared in a magnanimous way and made salvation available to all men, but he instructs us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. He uses, sometimes when Paul writes, he, he stacks up a bunch of words. Okay, And the purpose of stacking up all the words is not for us to split hairs on the different nuances of them, which is all well and good because we always want to understand all the words, but to see it's like, he's like unloading the dump truck of the way we should live. And so in a way, he's just trying to make a point, you know, when he uses all these different words. When he says, deny ungodliness, worldly desires, live sensibly, righteously, godly, woo, in the present age, okay? And so uh, uh, what that means is uh, that we uh, should, uh, for example, be uh, prudent in the way, careful in the way we live. Uh, uh, live sensibly really means that. To have self-control. To live righteously means uh, live according to the way of the Lord. The right way that God, it, and, and godly. You know, I think we get the point when we see the word godly, righteous, uh, sensibly, denying ungodliness, worldly desires. Let us being that kind, in, in this age, let us be that kind of people. And he's talking about this age that we're still living in. And so God wants us to have that kind of a testimony. Uh, you know, you can win a battle and lose a war, right? You can go to work and, and have every sticker, you know, at your desk and cubicle uh, about, about the Lord, and you can bang people over the head with your Bible. Uh, but 
uh, that is not usually what makes a difference uh, to people's, in people's lives. It's your interaction with them and the way that you interact with them. It's not just, you're not like an ATM machine that just like words of truth come out. You know what I mean? But there is a way, the way we communicate is uh, uh, very, very uh, important. And our motives become very, very important. Uh, and that is, you know, Yeshua, while he was not, the, you know, the Bible uh, makes him, especially in Isaiah 53, prophesies that he was not a, uh, you know, uh, this handsome man that had this, um, that, you know, had that kind of uh, draw, you know. But when you read uh, the New Covenant in the Gospels about the way he interacted with people, he was attractive to people. People wanted to be around him. People who were marginalized, who were considered sinners even, wanted to be around him. People who were uh, uh, people who did go to the various synagogues and who hung around the temple, they wanted to be around him. It wasn't because he was a repulsive individual. See, there was something about him. People wanted to be around him. We need to uh, be that kind of people to have an entree if we want to share uh, the good news of a Messiah, Yeshua, right? We don't want to substitute being um, obnoxious as, oh, they're rejecting me because of Yeshua. Right? Sometimes we can just be downright obnoxious, right? And people reject us for a good reason, because we're just not nice, you know? And so that's, it's a very, very important. So he says, be that kind of, of person. And he describes it by these, um, how bond slaves should act, right? Don't be argumentative. <laughs> I think that's great. All right. Okay. But then he says, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Messiah Yeshua. Now he says it twice, right? So he uses the word appearing two times. First he says, in verse 11, the grace of God has appeared. That's the first coming of Messiah. The glory of the Lord, we look forward to appearing. That is the second coming of the Messiah. You know, in his glory, in his, that, that boy, uh, you know, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Yeshua is Lord. Uh, and so we're living in between the appearing of the grace and the appearing of the glory. Right? In a, in a very physical kind of way. Of course the Lord is glorious, but in a very physical obvious uh, kind of way. We're looking forward to that blessed hope. And so that is a hope. And that is what we, we know that day is coming. That day is indeed coming. Right? Uh, and then Paul describes what he's done for us. Who gave himself for us. You talk about being a uh, sacrifice. He gave himself for us. Right? We need to ask ourselves this question. Do I give myself for the purpose of God. Do I give myself? Sometimes we can talk about giving monetarily out of our, uh, out of, out of our uh, want, you know? Uh, we also need to about, think about giving our time out of want. In other words, you know what? I'm going to have to say no to something I can say no to because I want to serve in the, most, in, in, the most, in the place that's most accessible to me to serve, and that's at Beth Messiah because I'm part of this community, right? Okay? You know, I like to say the United Way looks for volunteers. We look for people who want to serve. Remember that, okay? Uh, and, uh, and, and so he gave himself. 
He came, as it says in the Gospel of Mark, he came not to be served, but to serve, right? And we like to use the phrase, the slave of Messiah, because it kind of like gives us a little slap in the face when we say that word, you know? A slave of a Messiah. He gave himself that, we, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed. Now, this is, this is very much how this plays into Hanukkah. Uh, and that is that uh, Hanukkah, uh, the story of Hanukkah is about the capturing, the recapturing of the temple, the cleansing of the temple, and the dedication of the temple, right? So the temple had been uh, desecrated, right? And the story is about this band of people who went and uh, led a rebellion uh, and uh, recaptured the temple. Well, you know, uh, uh, we are the temple, whether we want to speak of ourselves individually or as a community, right? And the temple is in rebellion. We could say the, the, you know, the, the temple of our lives, the temple of this world, the temple of the Jewish people is in rebellion, right? But in rebellion, Messiah came while we were in sin, Yeshua came. While we were helpless, Paul says in Romans chapter 5, Messiah came and died for our sins. And so in rebellion, the Messiah has come and has redeemed us, Right? Yes, he's purchased us back. We belong uh, to him. Uh, but there's more to it than that. What he did is he liberated us. He liberated us from bond. He liberated us from uh, a slavery to sin. He liberated us. Okay? Uh, and so now we are, we are free. We are free to, to uh, worship him. From every lawless deed. That means he has, in a way, literally redeemed us from the thought life and habits and way of life that leads to sin. We no longer have to be chained to all of these different bad habits. Okay? We all have many bad habits that we do. But, you see, in Messiah, he has redeemed us. He who is in us is greater than bad habits. Okay? Than he who is in the world. Uh, and so now our motivations can change. Now our whole way of life, our whole worldview can, can be different, okay? And purify for himself a people for his own possession. So not only has he recaptured us, but he's cleansed us. He's cleansed the temple, right? So now we are able to serve him. We're able to be victorious. We're able to prevail. We're able to be overcomers, right? Because he has purified us, right? And he's purified us in many different ways, but we'll save that for another time. But finally, it says in this uh, passage, zealous for good deeds. He's made us zealous uh, for good deeds. Enthusiastic is what I mean, you know? He's made us enthusiastic to serve him. He's made us now loyal to serve him. And that is, when you get right down to it, that is what Hanukkah is. He has liberated us, he has purified us, and he's made us now a people zealous for good deeds, zealous to serve. Not just zealous to say how much we love God and sing songs, that's part of it, but zealous 24-7 to to give our physical time and energy and lives for the purpose of a God. And that's why we need to think about integrating every part of our lives as part of worship. And everything that we do is for the purpose of advancing the work in the kingdom of God. 
whether we're talking about what we're doing here at Beth Messiah or at home. But on Hanukkah, as we light those menorahs, let us think to ourselves, wow, you know, uh, where can I be this kind of servant? How can I be a slave of Messiah? Am I really zealous for good deeds? Uh, Do I really give my time and energy to serve the Lord? Am I willing to go and talk to that person about the Messiah? Am I willing to help out when there's uh, a need? Uh, In my job, uh, am I willing to live in such a way in my job that I'm a good testimony, a good worker? You know, someone who uh, people can see there's something about them, you know? Uh, and, and, and in all ways, in the way we uh, conduct our lives. And that is so very important. And you know what Paul told Titus? He says, These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, right there, right? Let no one disregard you. So he says, You tell this to people. Tell people to live in a way uh, that, is, that is admirable. Live an admirable kind of life and never forget that he redeemed you, he purified you, and has made you zealous for for this way of life. May that spirit of the Maccabees, of fighting back against oppression and living victoriously and recognizing that the hope is in God and it's not by might and it's not by power, but it is indeed by the Spirit of God that he has called us to be his emissaries in this work, in this world, advancing his kingdom, looking forward to his appearing again. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God, for Yeshua. Thank you, Lord, for the Messiah. Thank you, God, that uh, in, uh, in Messiah Yeshua we have life abundantly. Lord, may we be people that appreciate what you've done and may every year when we light those Hanukkah candles, remember that you never leave us and you never forsake us. Uh, I, uh, certainly as Israel, as a Messianic community, uh, as a Jewish community, and uh, just as Messiah followers in this world. And uh, thank you, Lord, for the calling uh, with which you've given us. May we indeed not be here to be served, but indeed to serve. We pray in Yeshua's name.